Diamond and Cement Show, episode 26, Made in USA. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jay Christopher Gritz, and this is the Diamond Answer Man Show, where our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases that memorialize our special moments. And, of course, we're still in the month of August, so we're finishing it up. Those grooms out there providing those rings, stepping up to the plate, and their brides in white. So if you're a groom out there, you still haven't pulled the trigger... Um, give me a call. Maybe I can help you. And uh, you can call me at 803-792-1326. You can send me a message at jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. Or reach me on that left hand. Actually, it's the right hand side of my site with that speak pipe device. And I'll go ahead and answer your voicemail. You know, this week I'm just finishing up. Uh, you know, I had that cold from last week. And, uh, you know, I've really gotten through it. And you can still hear it in my last show. And um, I felt really bad about that. My last two shows, I was really struggling with that cold. And, uh, you know, it, it helps um, damper, right? And so it's not really a help. It hinders, it dampers your enthusiasm when you kind of feel that sort of down, you know, you got your, your throat's kind of sore and you're, um, you're achy and you got cold. So about the second to last show, even though, again, I, I, I would say that, uh, as I said in the last show, that I, I felt we had some really good topics we talked about. Man, I was just downtrodden. And uh, with the last show that we had, episode 25, you know, I was on the mend there, so I was really excited to come back and really apologetic about just the vigor at which I had the second to last show. And, of course, now that I'm coming through, I really, you know, have listened to them both, and um, I do like them. But um, I hope to have a certain degree of enthusiasm that I didn't really exhibit on those last two. And that's the thing that we have to do when we're doing our own shows. You know, I've got my own studio here that I've put together. And it's taken me years to piece and part all the different tools that I use together. And, uh, you know, I do this all on my own. So I, I, I sort of save and and just put little pieces aside here every once in a while and and use those wonderful gift cards people give you at times you just create little little surprises for myself so i've upgraded and and uh, the soundboards and the gates and all those kinds of things that uh, that i have that put the the, uh, the the a better sound together and everything but when you're sick it doesn't matter you know you you're just uh, you just got to kind of have to push through it and and uh, you know i i don't um I don't like it when I when I kind of feel that uh, it wasn't as top and high end as I would like to produce because I would like to think that every show that I do for you and, and that we sit and listen together that the time you spend with me should be well spent and uh, and it shouldn't be wasted and and you should get as good of a quality of a show as I possibly could put together and I, I hope that we can do that today although I think every time I say that it, the show will be shorter. That uh, I, I seem to go longer, and uh, I, I hope to stay uh, on, on task with keeping this sort of a medium length show. And um, anyway, so as we segue into that, you know, I, I just again would like to know that uh, would like you to know that if you do have any questions, you know, I've got that service there on the right hand side of the site, that speak pipe. And if you listen to the last show, you can hear the quality come through from the recording. It's really, really good. And you can send me messages from your iPhone, your iPad, 
And uh, it's right there on the right-hand side of this site. It says SpeakPipe. When you go there on the DiamondAnswerMan.com website, it'll pop up and say, send a message right here. And uh, it'll record. So as long as you have a microphone or some sort of an attachment on your computer or your, um, your, your whatever portable device you use, you should be able to send a message right through to there. And it'll come to me, and uh, you know we'll use it in future shows. And I'll answer your questions. You may also send me emails at jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com, and I'll look forward to answering those emails. And, of course, using those to help people that uh, have similar questions. Because, you know, a lot of people don't email things in. They just sit back and listen, and every once in a while I get an email and a thank you. And, um, you know, because they have, believe it or not, all the same things that you're going through. Trust me, there's millions of guys and gals going through the exact same thing. I've been doing this since really 1984. That's a long time. So there's not really anything I haven't run into. But with all that sort of gobbledygook knowledge that I have in my head, um, you know, at times it helps to have the question and the question pulls it out of that memory bank and there comes the answer. So, you know, when you got a question, go ahead and send it in. Let's, let's help each other learn more about the world of diamonds. And of course, then we will feel more confident about our purchases. And of course, as I always say, memorialize those special moments. And again, there's no moment more special than that when we get married. So anyway, so talking about made in the USA, you know, there's a law that's coming up in California, and I think it affects lots and lots of people. Maybe not in the way that it would affect, you know, Palmolive or, or, or Colgate or, or any of those other brands that, uh, that, or any big brand per se, that would have any sort of made in USA logo and, and, and designation that they're using. However, it does affect, you know, every single jeweler out there in California. I mean, from the smallest to the largest, because the new law makes the statement. And of course, we like to buy, right, from a, from sometimes a custom jeweler, right? We go to the small mom and pop stores and they have the guy or gal sitting there that that may design something on paper and then eventually carve it in wax and then cast it, you know, and uh, and make the piece or maybe they're using a CAD cam and a computer system and um, it's, it's still, they make the piece and, and all the pieces and parts are assembled together and, and they say it's handmade and it's made made by them personally, made in the USA. However, under the new law, well, it's not new, but the, the law that's passing through that wants to, that the, uh, you know, the writers want to get approved, um, would make it to where you could not say that that piece is made in the USA. Every single part, piece, everything on it would have to be made here. And unfortunately, there's, that's not possible. In today's climate, you know, the, uh, the Made in USA designation requires that 50% of all the items that go into assembling your piece, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be jewelry, it can be electronics, it could be a watch, it could be a tripod, it could be your car, it could be, I mean, uh, your tool, whatever it may be. Uh, 50% of it needs to be made in the U.S. and the other 50, you know, 50% can be made elsewhere. I think that's kind of a low number. You know, when we talk about Swiss watches, they have a much higher rating uh, uh, standard, uh, you know, for Swiss watches, you can't have, you know, a, a 50, 50 rating for, for something like that. Um, you know, so I think the, the made in USA designation should be a little bit more firm. 
However, when you're talking about jewelry per se, you know, when we talk about um, rings and the, uh, the assembly of the rings with small side stones, um, you know, you, 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 you have a problem because most of those diamonds are polished in India or China at this time. So, you know, and, and you already know my own personal opinion on, on that is that I'd like to see a rebirth or regrowth, uh, uh, a renewing of, you know, polishing here in the United States. And, and I think it's possible. Um, you know, we've outsourced a lot of that sort of technology or, or that we should say that labor, right? We could make it technology. We've outsourced that labor um, on polishing those small stones all around the world. And so when you assemble an item in California coming up, um, you got to realize that the metals come from somewhere else. You know, right? we, we, we cast and make jewelry with metals that could be from uh, all sorts of places in the world. Uh, Africa is one place where we have a lot of metals. And uh, we do have some metal sources here in the, in the United States, but metals come from all over the world. Platinum, copper, gold, silver come from all sorts of places. And then when you add in the fact that the gemstones, almost all your gemstones, are polished outside the United States and they're mined and sourced outside the United States, that doesn't mean that you don't have sapphires that are found here and tourmalines and, and uh, opals and all sorts of other gemstones that are found in the U.S., but most of your other gems are found elsewhere. So then really all the jeweler is doing is taking all those pieces that have come from everywhere else in the world. I mean, really mean, I really mean all over the world. And they put them together. And under that designation, I don't think it would qualify as made in the USA. So even though they would have assembled it in their shop... Um, and crafted it, melted the metal down, and and uh, you know, uh, put the whole thing together from the ground up. Under that designation, they would not be able to use the "Made in USA" logo or or statement, and that's in California. Now, elsewhere, of course, it might be able to be made that way, especially if the you know the metals were sourced here. Um, you could potentially make at least fifty percent of it. Uh, here in the U.S., is, and I'm not sure if it stands for the value or it stands for the quantity, the, the percentage of the parts. I believe it's the percentage of the parts. So you should be able to use that Made in USA logo. So I think this law is a good law. I think I think the law, and, and I want, I'm going to stop for a second. I make that statement. I, I think the goal of the law is good. I think that the spirit of it is is good. However, I think that that if we break it down in the exact way that the you know the authors of it want i mean it would mean it would mean that nothing that anybody made whether you were in san francisco you were in you were in sacramento you were in eureka all the way down to san diego or wherever you would be um if you made it in your own shop you still wouldn't be able to say made in usa because everything came from somewhere else in the world and and I think there's a there's a small problem with that when you have an industry where almost none of its parts are sourced here, um, and I'm not talking about the issues where a jeweler looks in a catalog and doesn't make everything. You know, sometimes jewelers will say they custom make, and I'm going to get off the subject, but I'm going to come right back for a second. Sometimes you go into a jewelry store and they say that they are going to custom make you something, and they flip open a catalog. 
and then they talk about where they can drill all the extra holes for the stones you want to put in there. That's not custom making. That's just plainly assembling. It's not the same thing as custom. That's, that's altering something. Custom design is when you sit down with, it, with an artist and they either hand sketch it or they, or they will computer render it, right? And uh, so CAD CAM or do it by hand. And, uh, and then they carve a wax either in uh, a machine that would carve, you know, so, so an X, Y, Z axis milling machine where they'll mill the uh, item in, in wax and it comes out the design that they've put in their, you know, the software program as they designed it. Or sometimes they have printers that will use a jet type system, which will lay foundations for a wax type substance. And that designs the ring based upon, again, what the designer would have created based upon the information you've given them. The other way is where um, my wife is personally trained is how to render it. You know, so you put it on paper and you have a complete design there on paper. You have all the specs to it and uh, it's all measured up. And then you actually hand carve. You take a block of wax and you hand carve that block of wax to the design that you have on the paper. So there's different processes and the CAD CAM you know process has really come along and uh, I think it's it's the future it's it's not as much as what we would think as art as it would be hand rendering something with your shading and all of those kinds of things but um, I think the CAD CAM process maybe because I'm a goober and I like the uh, uh, the tech portion of of the world that um, maybe I think it's something I could do and I'm not an artist at all so I just I just think like that so I'm I'm partial to it. Um, but when you make something that way, it's custom made. When a jeweler flips through a catalog again and, uh, you know, just they order something in to have a couple of heads, the heads, a portion that holds onto the, the diamond or gemstone, and they just drop those heads in there and solder them in place, that is not custom made. And here's why I'm saying this about the Made in USA. Most of those catalogs that they flip through, that stuff's made in China. Not in every case. But that stuff's made in China, it's made in India, it's made in Pakistan, it's made somewhere else in the world. Most of the time, a, a lot of the time, I should say, right now, it is made in India. But, uh, you know, so we have these two types of, I guess, feelings about what is custom. And I'm talking about true custom made, where they, where they uh, cast it, you know, so they use a centrifugal casting or vacuum casting process and and make it. You know, you, you, you got to have some give me for an industry that most of what it produces is from product, or I should say the, the, the founding, you know, the foundation for everything you're using it isn't sourced here. You know, so is it made here? Is it made from things made here? Is, is, I, I think it's two different designations. So um, I, I like the law. I don't, but I don't like all of the different sort of underpinnings that go into it. And I'm very strong made in the USA. I mean, I, I look at the shirts I buy. I look at the shorts I buy. I look at the shoes I buy, the belts I buy. And at times it's hard to do. However, I've gone to the internet. And I've started looking around as I would suggest that you should too. And I'm totally off the subject, but look for things made in the US, support our own workers here and, um, you know, I do like economics, and there's a whole debate about that, too. But I like to support us as we work every single day. You support me, and I want to support you. Um, so this Made in USA issue could be a problem for jewelers 
in California. They just might be able to say assembled in California. I don't know what the designation they would use, but I think the law itself is a, it needs some retooling um, as far as what would be the definitions and the acceptance for certain things in certain industries. And maybe they'll grandfather something in. I have no idea. But, uh, but right now I know that the jewelers, as they have it, written, uh, they wouldn't be able to say made in USA. So if that's important to you, you know, California is going to be the strongest state. And uh, anybody who is promoting made in USA that doesn't fit that designation will not be able to say it. They'll be able to say it in all the 49 other states, just not in California. So segueing into made in USA, what about this kid who found a diamond in the uh, crater of Diamond State Park in Arkansas. Now, he found a diamond, which is at least grown in the ground, right? However long ago that was. Uh, 5.16 carat honey brown diamond. And, uh, you know, he found it after about 10 minutes of digging around in the dirt out there. So if you're a groom and you want to have some fun, go out there and find a diamond in Arkansas, the crater of Diamond State Park. The likelihood of finding one is almost zero. Um, so, you know, be prepared to actually open up your wallet anyway. Um, it is the eighth largest diamond that has been certified by the park staff, although there has been diamonds found before the, you know, it was a state park. And, uh, you know, some of those diamonds, you know, are 40 carats and 16 carats and uh, on down. So there's been lots and lots of diamonds that are found there. Uh, probably the most well-known diamond is the Uncle Sam and that's a that's a rather large stone. The Uncle Sam diamond um, was found a long, long time ago. That's a forty carat stone, forty point two three carat. And then uh, somewhere, I think it were on nineteen seventies, in the nineteen seventies, seventy five, seventy two, somewhere in there, the Amarillo Starlight diamond was found there. That's a sixteen carat diamond. Both the Uncle Sam and the Amarillo were recut. The Uncle Sam was recut to a twelve point four two carat, and the Starlight was a seven point five four. There's also been the Star of Arkansas, Star of Shreveport. Um, I mean, we can go down the list. You can actually go to the website, you know, the Crater of Diamonds State Park website, and see the different diamonds that were found there. Now, this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, this this kid who found this diamond, um, you know, they're they're talking about the, how he promoted it as the he or his name for the diamond. It would be the God's Glory Diamond. And that's what he named it. So, you know, each diamond of its size and its founding there in the park will go on this list and it'll have a name. And and this one is named God's Glory. Some people have put the value of the stone at 15000 Now, as the diamond is polished, if he chooses or his family chooses to polish it, it won't stay five carats. It's a little off-shapen. And um, it would probably come out, I don't know, I'm guessing a carat or so. Uh, just depending upon the shape, you'd probably have some other smaller stones that could come out of it. I don't think $15,000 is, is if it weren't found the way it was found, you know, in the park and have the sort of history that it would have, um, I, I don't think $15,000 is a realistic number for the diamond. Um, it, my guess is it would be a lot less just based upon the the color. Now, the problem with using the color, we're looking at the natural skin of the stone, the stone may be a different color as it's finished, you know, so we've got the outside of it as we're going to cut away and see what's on the inside, and it may actually lighten up. It may, may turn more brown uh, than, than its honey. It's got a little bit of yellow color, 
or may go the other direction. So you don't know until you really start polishing. And there are experts out there beyond what my knowledge is. Um, but I think based upon the color of the stone, that uh, $15,000 is a little too high. However, it is fun to talk about it, and it is fun for him to be able to find it. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that's fun uh, to be said that it's made in America. So, you know, coming all the way back around, made in USA. He could polish that diamond here in the U.S., and he could have it inscribed, made in USA, and it would be 100% right? So so it would fit under California law. It could say, it's American made or made in USA. Polish it, and uh, and we're ready to go. So maybe it would be worth a whole lot, because there's not too many out there. We're talking about a rare stone. It would only fit under that law, maybe, maybe because it would be one of what, you know, uh, however many that have been found in Arkansas. It would be one of, you know, we're talking a handful of stones that were large enough that they could actually polish, so maybe it would be worth way more than 15000 I don't know. I'm just having fun with it now. So the other thing I want to talk about is um, there are movements going on in the financial world. And, uh, you know, talking about money, you know, $15,000 is, is, is a fair amount. Um, but when we talk about big amounts of money, we're talking $100,000, $200,000, a $1 million dollars. The climate in the economy is one where over the last decade, some individuals, you know, because of, you know, real estate deals and those kinds of things have earned, gained, right, large amounts of money and they've invested in art. They've invested in, uh, uh, you know, jewelry. They've invested in all these sorts of things that would be, you know, personal uh, property items. And now, as the uh, economies of the world are sort of going up and down and things are changing, and I think in some ways for, for, for a positive, um, what's ended up happening is, is something has come back. You know, it used to be that uh, a pawn shop was the place you would go if you wanted to sell or, or have a loan against personal property items. And they would give you funds so you could do whatever it is you needed to do, pay something off, create something. And, uh, uh, you know, so that's happening on the, on the upper scale. So there's been um, people who have gone out, and there's these companies that are now working towards uh, personal property loans on large diamonds. And uh, there's some things going on where people have been able to start businesses, pay off businesses, pay off homes, you know, that they've purchased, um, create new ventures based upon things that they've purchased in the past. And these companies are out there, these personal property uh, companies are giving loans against all sorts of diamonds. So if you have a diamond like that, you know, a large diamond in your family, it is possible for you to work with financial organizations as long as the stone has been verified and uh, you know it's it's it, it is authenticated to be what what it's stated to be, and then there's a valuation placed upon the stone, some sort of appraisal, and uh, you know looking at what the liquidation values would be uh, on the stone and auction values and those kinds of things. There are companies, sometimes banks even, that are willing to loan against those items. So it is a secured loan. So 
that's something that that is not new, but it is it is there's a movement happening where it's becoming a much more many more people are becoming involved in this area. So if you have something that you've invested in, you know, we say investments and that's very loosely used when we talk about jewelry. Um when there's something you've procured not for uh, personal use other than just to put money into it and set it aside. So you, you, you've you got this this thing that you've purchased. So it's sort of like a showpiece. You know, people will buy art and put it on the wall. People will buy vase, uh, you know, a, a vase or a vase. And, uh, you know, it's, it's worth a certain amount of money and we'll display it. Well, people will do the same thing with jewelry. I've sold jewelry over the years and diamonds where these pieces will never be worn but they're conversation pieces, right? So people will bring them out and talk about them uh, with their friends. And, uh, you know, I know of people who have invested in, you know, not just hundreds, but sometimes thousands of loose gemstones, you know, whole collections of colored stones. And uh, it's their hobby. You know, and I'm, 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 what I'm talking about is there are people, there are individuals who will, of course, get on QVC and Home Shopping Club, and that's all they do is they just buy and they just amass a huge collection. And uh, maybe they need to have um, one of those shows where they have the addiction shows on that. I don't know. Um, but that's what they, <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. <laughs> I feel bad. I'm going to get some email about that now. Um, so if you know of uh, uh, anyone who has larger gemstones, larger diamonds, uh, any of those kinds of things, it is it is potential that if they wanted to uh, use that um, as a secured collateral against clearing up debt or creating a new venture, whatever you would want to do, it is it is an opportunity you have out there. And uh, I've been reading about that, and it, and it's huge right now. So it's, it's probably going to get bigger. You know, a lot of the uh, um, expendable funds that have been used to procure these kinds of things, people are now pulling it back out. You know, that was a world I was part of for so many years, doing estate liquidations. I've done, I've done millions of dollars in estate liquidations. And, uh, you know, that's not anything that I really actively do anymore. Um, however, there are these companies that will do it and they'll keep it. And then you're just going to loan the money back anyway. So it's not a, <laughs> I was, you know, if you, if you've got it, why not? I guess. Anyway, if you've got any questions, you may email me, you know, we're finishing up this show. Email me at jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. You may also call me at 803-792-1326. You may also reach me at Twitter on the at symbol at D-A-M-J-C-G-U-R-I-T-Z. And also on LinkedIn, you know, you look me up at jchristophergertz on LinkedIn. Make sure you put in the message that you heard about me from the show. Otherwise, I won't know that you're trying to connect with me on LinkedIn and why you are. Um, and, of course, I'll look forward to hearing your questions. You can email them into me, and I'll happily answer them. And I'll look forward to speaking with you on our next show. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, good night. <laughs>